This is a presentation of Northeast Streaming Sports. You are watching Frankly Speaking Sports, live from Charlotte, North Carolina. Ladies and gentlemen, the other day I'm looking around and I'm saying, I need to become part of a Carolina Panthers group that stays positive even in these tough times. And I'll tell you what, boy, have I found a group, the Carolina Panthers Den. It's on Facebook and you need to join today. This is a group that stays positive, has a good time, and interacts with a lot of other different Carolina Panthers fans. If you want to have a great time and talk about your team, encourage your team in a way that is done very professionally, then become a member of the Carolina Panthers Den on Facebook. Make sure to join today. Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Frankly Speaking Sports. I'm your host, Larry Franken. Want to welcome everybody on the show tonight on this Monday night where the season in the NFL is winding down. And we have a great, great week in store for you. I know today we're going to have Jimmy Smith, five-time Pro Bowler, former wide receiver of the Jacksonville Jaguars, is going to be joining us today. Boy, do we have lots of things to talk about with Jimmy Smith, especially what's going on in Jacksonville. Urban Meyer, he played at Jackson State, uh, Jimmy Smith. Uh, they got the first recruit in the nation, the number one recruit, I should say, in the nation. So lots and lots to talk about with Jimmy. Tomorrow night, for all you fans tuning in, Wayne Rondazzo, play-by-play uh, broadcaster for the New York Mets. We'll be joining us. Got lots to talk about with the New York Mets. The strike going on. Buck Showalter, the new manager. So, so many things for us to go over. And then Wednesday night, we will have our Frankly Speaking Panthers show, which will preview the upcoming game between the Buccaneers and the Carolina Panthers. Then next week from Christmas to New Year's, we'll take off. And we'll return on, I believe the date is January 3rd. But let me go ahead and just check our calendars while people are coming on here. And it looks to me, yes, it'll be January 3rd that we return. So all this week, normal hours, next week we take off and we start with a big shebang on January 3rd, not only will we be on all the different platforms that we're on now, like Facebook, uh, 
Twitter, uh, YouTube, Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes, but we also Northeast Streaming Sports, Tobacco Road Sports Radio, but starting January 3rd, we are also on Roku. We will keep you updated on the channel. You can sit down, enjoy, watch on Roku TV. Nowadays, if you have a smart TV, everybody has Roku TV, and this show is free. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in. We're going to get started with our show. If all of you that are listening on different platforms can please go ahead, share this to your timeline, as we have a terrific show in store for you. Those of you I'm planning on seeing, a former five-time Pro Bowl wide receiver of the Jacksonville Jaguars, Jimmy Smith, he'll be on in about 25 minutes, so we look forward to that. But we're going to start out, you know, Obviously, with a topic that we've been starting off with oh too often here on Frankly Speaking Sports, and it's another Carolina Panther loss. Um, you know, and this game, folks, I'm going to be honest with you, did not start off good from the get-go. Um, you know, it really didn't because even before the game began, we went ahead and we had trouble where we didn't have a field goal kicker because Zane Gonzalez got hurt. And, you know, I'm going to tell you something, folks, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about this a little bit later, but automatically everybody coming out of the woodworks blaming Matt Rule like it's his fault the kicker got hurt. Now, I'm not going to sit here and stick up for Matt Rule when it comes to some of the decisions he makes as at coaching or play calling or how he handles his players as far as holding them accountable, but you can't blame the coach for the kicker getting hurt. Most teams do not carry two kickers. Heard somebody says, why don't you have a replacement? There's only so many guys you can have on a team. I believe it's 53, and you have 53 players, and at the end of the day, folks, that's it. And, you know, usually your kicker doesn't get hurt before a game. It's in the week, and you can pick someone up. Unfortunately, this did not happen and could not happen and I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. It changed the entire complexity, um, you know, of the game. I mean, there were several cases we could have got some field goals, kept it into one-run scores, and at the end of the day, it didn't happen. But when you look at this game, uh, you know, and you look at different things on this game, this defense, and we'll get into it in a couple seconds about the defense, it played well. And I'm going to elaborate that on a couple of minutes. But, you know, the one thing that you have to realize is the fans here in Carolina, I can't believe it. I, I just can't believe it um, because when you look at Cam Newton and the love that this fan base has for this man, it's simply incredible. It's pretty much like the fan base in New England had for Tom Brady. I mean, very similar Carolina to Newton, Brady to New England when he was there. But at the same time, folks, you got to understand this. A lot of people come out of the woodworks. They just wanted to make sure everybody in this world knew it wasn't Cam Newton's fault that they lost the game. That's all they cared about because they're so in love with Cam Newton. Now, folks, don't get me wrong. Cam Newton did a terrific job when he was here, like I mentioned many times the first time. But people have to wake up and realize reality, okay? This man is not the same man. Yes, 
Did he run with his legs? Oh, yes. And boy, it's all over Twitter how great he ran the football. But folks, that's all he did well yesterday. Come on, wake up. I'm not a can bash. I have nothing against the man. Thought he's had a great career the first time in Carolina. But you got to wake up and face reality. As much as you love this man, you're going to have to love him enough to let him go. You got to let him go. He is not there anymore. He doesn't have it anymore. And you got to face the facts. He is not, he's not the same Cam he once was. Yes, he was 18 of 28 yesterday. 156 yards, one touchdown, one interceptions, and four sacks. Now, I'm not going to sit here on this show tonight and debate with folks about, hey, listen here. You know, Cam Newton, um, you know, doesn't have an offensive line. I understand that, folks. You're right. He doesn't have an offensive line. But last year, what was the issue was in New England? Did he not have something else? He's lost 12 games in a row now, folks. What is he, 0-3, 0-4 this year with them? He is not the answer. And I'm not going to sit here and say we have the answer. We may know the answer, but we don't have the answer right now. And right now, people are looking to blame anybody they can in order to save Cam Newton. And people have to wake up. Cam Newton did not play well again yesterday. Okay? One thing I've noticed about Cam that he's doing a lot more right now, and any of you that follow football, especially follow quarterbacks, and I'm not, believe me, I'm not justifying or sticking up for the offensive line, but he holds the ball too long, and that creates some sacks. Now, we know we don't have a great offensive line, and everybody knows we need to work on that and get that and fix that up, okay? But at the end of the day, the folks have to realize that he is not the same Cam Newton. He is done. He is done. I'm sorry, it's not a, a popular comment that I'm making here, but I'm talking football now, not about personality, not about like, okay? This is about the game of football. And every time Cam Newton does something wrong, who does everybody want to jump on? Matt Rule. Now, I'm not going to sit here and justify Matt Rule either, okay? Matt Rule, um, you know has made lots and lots and lots of mistakes. We all know that, folks. I mean, that is no secret that Matt Rule, you know, a lot of questions around whether Matt Rule still has this clubhouse. Is he the right coach? But we got to bring Cam Newton back and fire Matt Rule. No, 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 no. Okay? I agree we got to get rid of Cam Newton. Okay? He is not the answer, okay? And don't be surprised if healthy this weekend, Sam Donald starts the rest of the Buccaneers if they don't decide to wait one more week and they feel he's ready, okay? Sam Donald is your starting quarterback. Face it, folks. Don't matter whether you like it or not. They're not going to fire Matt Rule over Sam Donald starting and Cam Newton not starting. Reason why Matt Rule may get fired is there's not a lot of accountability on this team. Doesn't matter what the fans are saying, okay? I'm sorry, folks. It doesn't. The end of the day is how David Tepper thinks he is as a coach. Is he being accountable? We know that answer, okay? But it's David Tepper's decision, okay? 
is he uh, getting the most out of his players? You know, there's questionable things. For example, offensive uh, lineman, uh, Brady Christensen. Why the heck he isn't starting and playing a hell of a lot more if on every play, I don't know. You got to get the guy experienced. Now is the time to get Brady Christensen experience, and yet they still decide not to. Those are things that would concern me when you're dealing with Matt Rule, okay? We all know the offensive line is terrible. Why isn't he doing anything to fix it? Some people will say, well, you just can't get anybody off the streets. Okay, whatever excuse you want to use, fine. But you have a guy in Brady Christensen where the offensive line is known to play a hell of a lot better when he is in the game than when he's not in the game, and yet we still choose not to use him. Now, yesterday, I thought the defense played very well, okay? I really did. Chin, seven tackles, an interception, one pass deflected. How about gross tomatoes yesterday? Matos, tomatoes, tomatoes, tomatoes. You say it that way, I say it the other way, all right? But he had two and a half sacks yesterday. Looked like a beast. But once again, folks, you're not going to win ball games when your team and your defense is on the field more than half of the game. And once again, that's what happens. Sooner or later, the human beings and their energy level is going to run out. I thought they played a terrific game. If we had a kicker yesterday, that game would have been a hell of a lot different on a lot of different aspects. Now, I'm going back. Cam did not, isn't the reason we lost the game yesterday. We had a lot of variables that played into it, but Cam is part of it. Wake up, Carolina. Cam is part of it. I want you all go home tonight and practice. Cam is part of it. He is not the answer. We have a lot of things. We had some stupid penalties again. Uh, one's on the sideline. Um, that was a 15-yard penalty that gave the ball back to Buffalo and allowed them to go down the field and score. Those are stupid things. That is a discipline issue. That is a coaching issue. If you want to blame Matt Rule for that, you can blame Matt Rule for that all you want, okay? Um, you know, but then you hear this stuff, folks, where he came out and he – kind of uh, said the quarterback didn't play well. Matt Rule didn't do nothing wrong there. Now, listen, once again, I'm not sticking up for Matt Rule. I'm not saying there doesn't need to be a change, but stop the petty crap, okay? It, it, it's disgusting. It's terrible. It's nauseating. It's just not right, okay? I mean, it's just not right. What did Matt Rule do wrong? He doesn't stick up for his players. You know what? Last night after the Buccaneers lost to the Saints 9-0 on Sunday Night Football, you know what? Bruce Arians said his quarterback didn't play well. Nobody's bitching at him. Nobody's complaining to him. Come on, folks. There's no difference. Last year, Bruce Arians publicly said Tom Brady is not playing well. Pretty much said at one time he sucked at that moment. Okay? You know what? Tom Brady went back out put his big boy pants on, and started showing people the way he can play football, okay? If Cam Newton can't handle a little bit of criticism, doesn't deserve to be in the NFL. And once again, I am not sticking up for Matt Rule as far as saying he should or should not be back next year. I'm just saying, let's cut the petty crap and not blame everything on this team.
You can't. And, you know, a lot of questions coming out asking me over the weekend. Once again, if you want to call in, there is a number on the bottom. It's scrolling through. As you can see it right now, 813-922-9810. We have about 14 minutes before we're expecting Jimmy Smith, former five-time Pro Bowl wide receiver of the Jacksonville Jaguars, coming on with us. Go ahead and call in. Call in. All you fans all week long want to bitch and complain on all these media different platforms you have, and you have a chance to call in right now, go ahead, call in, let us know how you're feeling, and we'll give you our opinion. Remember, on this show, we agreed to disagree. We agree to disagree. You call in, we'll listen to your comment, we'll respect you, and then we'll give you our feedback and expect the same kind of respect back. But at the end of the day, if you don't think Matt Rule should be the coach of this team, I want to hear about it. The number's on the bottom. There's a comment section. Stop being afraid. Stop being the person that's on Facebook or on Twitter or on Instagram or whatever the hell you're on, and you're bitching and complaining about this. Get on the phone, call into our show, or leave a comment, and we'd love to talk to you. Remember, one person at a time. And then when one hangs up, another one can call. We love it. We'll get you right on the air here. That's fine. If you think Cam Newton is the savior, is the Messiah, let me know. I want to know about it. I, you know, let me know what you think. I'm tired of hearing people bitch and complain about everything's going wrong. And then when you have the time to let it out and speak what you want to speak, you don't do anything about it. You hide. Okay. So come on out. I challenge the Carolina fans or any fans in the NFL that want to go ahead and uh, do this. We'd love to talk to you. We'd love to get you on board. And what we'll do now is we'll take a quick 15-second station break to allow our stations to identify themselves. And we'll be back right after this. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Frankly Speaking Sports. Once again, our hotline is open. It's on the bottom of this page, scrolling around 813-922-9810. If you want to get involved, you want to talk some Panther football, some Hornets basketball, whatever you like to talk about, we will be more than happy to discuss it with you. That's why we're on the air. We'd love to have some comments like to get more interaction than we are currently getting. So please, don't be afraid to get on the phone and speak your piece. If you're thinking something, obviously a lot of other folks are thinking it as well. But when you go back real quickly to the Carolina Panthers, folks, changes need to be made. There is no doubt about it. No one's denying the fact. And I want to make sure everybody understood that in the first part. I'm not sitting here saying changes don't be made. We obviously need to dismantle the offensive line, keep Brady Christensen, maybe keep Moten, but after that, we need to get other offensive linemen in there to play behind these guys. We obviously have a first-round pick, so we're going to probably be uh, somewhere in the vicinity of uh, uh, fifth to eighth pick. I'm looking at right now, let's just say seventh or eighth. 
for better judgment. And people say, well, Larry, you got to go after offensive linemen. That's that's dummy proof. We know that. But I'm going to change my tune a little bit, folks. And this, and I want you to understand this with a draft. The only way you change from going after an offensive lineman in the draft, in that first round, is only if one thing happens. If you believe with the pick that you have that you can get your franchise quarterback. Now, once again, I've said this before on my show. You got to build that offensive line, and you still got to do that. But then you can go through free agency if you want or later round picks and make some trades, make some things happen. We don't know what's going to happen with McCaffrey. Maybe you get a second-round pick for him somewhere, okay? But right now, if I am in that draft room, I'm going after the best offensive lineman that is available at pick number seven or eight, whatever it will be, unless they feel that one quarterback like Kenny Pickett is available. No one has picked him. They may say, this is our franchise guy. This is the guy we plan on going with the next 10 years. If that is the case, then you would go after Pickett. If that is not the case, you go after offensive linemen and you wait till next. Unfortunately, you got to wait to next year's draft to get your young quarterback or a free agent. But you have to build that offensive line. It is no secret. The defense is fine. You got to keep, um, you know, a uh, couple of people that are still there uh, over there uh, and resign them. Uh, Reddick is one of them. But other than that, you have to build. That's your number one priority, building that offensive line. Unless, once again, unless, and listen to me, that quarterback is there. And then if you go ahead and you sign Pickett, people say, well, you got $18 million. You got to still pay Sam Donald. That doesn't mean you got to pay him to lose, okay? You got two options. First of all, see what the feel is out there for Sam Donald. No one's going to pay $18 million for Sam Donald next year. But if you can get a team that takes $12 million of that, maybe even $11 million of that, now you're paying a quarterback you don't have $7 million, but you're still adding $11 million back to your cap where you can get an offensive lineman. I'm telling you what, folks, if you're looking for an offensive lineman um, that is going to be a free agent, if the Tampa Bay Buccaneers do not sign Ryan Jensen or Alex Kappa, you get one or both of them. Cap is going to be looking for about 11 million, 10 million. I'm sorry. Jensen's going to be looking for about 10 million, 11 million a year. If you can get someone to eat that part of the salary of Sam Donald's contract, you have Ryan Jensen at your center, stuck in the middle. And I'm going to tell you right now, folks, there is not a better center in the league than Ryan Jensen. You go after Ryan Jensen, whatever you got to do. Ryan Jensen in himself will attract other free agent offensive linemen over here. Now you got Moten. Now you got Christensen. Now you got Jensen. You need two more. You get him at the free agency and you work it. Okay. That's what you got to do. Okay. And that you'll be successful that way. But you got to, everybody in Carolina, keep your head up. This team is not as far away as everybody thinks. It's a quarterback 
and an offensive line. And that seems like a lot. But I've seen teams do it. Look, Joey Burrows changed the Cincinnati Bengals around last year. Then he got hurt, but he changed them around. Mac Jones, okay, he may not be playing well, but he still changed the New England Patriots. And he did a much better job, I'm sorry, fans, than what Cam Newton did last year. And the New England Patriots are winning. They got who they thought was their quarterback franchise, and they went with it. Offensive linemen, unless you go ahead and get that franchise pick. We are about five minutes away from expecting to have Jimmy Smith on with us. Former, I'm just checking the messages, former wide receiver of the Jacksonville Jaguars. And boy, do we have lots to talk about with him. We're definitely looking forward to that conversation. But real quickly, guys, um, why we have a couple of minutes, um, you know, the Charlotte Hornets. I mean, a lot of fans on here, you know, we root for a lot of teams. And our show is actually, yeah, we put emphasis on the Carolina teams and we'll continue to do that. But we talk about all different sports. Tomorrow, Wayne Randazzo, Randazzo uh, play-by-play broadcast the New York Mets. Going to be joining us tomorrow. We're going to be talking about that. New owner Steve Cohen, new manager Buck Showalter, Showalter, the signing of Scherzer, uh, the baseball strike. Whoa, my goodness. Do we have a lot to talk about on the show tomorrow night? But, um, you know, you look at the Charlotte Hornets, the 16 and 16. We all understand they went through a little rough time with COVID, knocking everybody out. Um, but this is a team that is three and seven in their last 10 games. They're starting to get healthy and they need to go ahead and start showing it on the court. Um, you know, they should, uh, you know, you look at everyone that coming back, Lamelo Ball's back now, Rogier is back. Uh, Ball is averaging 19.9 points a game, 7.7 rebounds, 8.1 assists. You got uh, Miles Bridges. 19.8, 7.2 rebounds, 3.8 assists. And a guy that I, that, another guy that gets so much crap that deserves so much more envy is Gordon Hayward, who's averaging 17.7 points, 4.8 rebounds, and 3.8 assists. But this is a team that has to show up defensively. When you look at this team defensively, uh, and I'm looking at some statistics here. They're 26 in the NBA in rebounds. The opponents are averaging 15.6 points off a second chance, and they're also averaging 48.7 points in the paint. This is a team that likes to shoot the ball. We know that about the Charlotte Hornets. But one thing they don't do very well is they don't get back on defense and play tough defense. It's almost like they sometimes wait till the second half before they start playing defense. And a, a lot of times, teams destroy them on the transition game. The other thing with the Charlotte Hornets is, you know, and I love LaMelo Ball. I love what he brings to Carolina. He is great. But there are times, and not just LaMelo Ball, where we rush the ball down court so fast that we turn the ball over and we give teams the opportunity to play that fast break game, and that's why they score so many fast break points on us. But if we are ever, ever going to compete, and we talk about this team be, having the ability to be a playoff team, they're going to have to learn to rebound, okay? 
They are not very good at rebounding. Like I said, the 26th in the NBA in rebounding, um, you know, and also opponents, uh, like I just said, are averaging 14 fast break points a game off this team. So this team has to get it back together. They got to get it back together. They got to, you know, get on the defense. I would like to see them hold other teams to less points and take better shots than Ori's rushing it down and thinking. I know their game is the three-point game. All of the NBA, we saw Steph Curry the other night break uh, Ray Allen's record, okay, who used to be held by Reggie Miller. And, you know, great, great night um, to see Steph do that. But this game has turned out into a shoot-for-all. Everybody shoots, you know, outside. Everybody shoots from the three-point line. It's going to be only a matter of time before the NBA is going to transition into a back like the old days when Moses Malone and Carl Malone and um, Charles uh, Barkley used to play. When you used to have Robert Parrish in there, you know, you used to have Kurt Rambis in there. Those guys are going to start, people are going to start catching up to it. Defenses are going to play closer. Defenses are going to play tight end. Then you're going to see the inside game in all of basketball. You'll see it in the pros, and you'll probably see it in college. Turn back into who has the best shot. Now, don't get me wrong, folks. You know, I'm not saying these guys can't hit those three-point shots. Some of them are hitting in the 40%. Some of them are hitting close to 50% of the three-point shots that are made, which is unbelievable. But a lot of them are also uncontested three-point shots. They lose them. Well, sooner or later, people, if you stop playing on tight man-to-man on these folks and play up in their face, you're going to go ahead and you're going to realize that, okay, it's easier, the percentage is a lot higher to score inside the paint than it is outside the paint. And you're going to see a lot of those teams start doing that. So hopefully um, – we will go ahead and, uh, you know, you know something's got to give here, folks. This game is just too wild. It's getting a lot more high scoring. And don't get me wrong, I love it. It amazes me how these guys are able to continue to hit these shots from way outside. And I love watching the game. love watching the Hornets game. I like watching Bell. I like uh, Ball. I like watching Rosie. I like watching Haywood. I like watching... Kelly Aubrey shoot from outside and hitting nothing but the bottom of the net. But sooner or later, when these defenses come on out on them, you're going to see the game start switching to more of an inside game. It's only moments away. We're expecting Jimmy Smith to be on with us. Hopefully he will show up any moment here. Uh, We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, hopefully we'll have Jimmy Smith on with us. We'll be back right after this. This is a presentation of Northeast Streaming Sports. Ladies and gentlemen, the other day I'm looking around and I'm saying, I need to become part of a Carolina Panthers group that stays positive even in these tough times. And I'll tell you what. Boy, have I found a group 
the Carolina Panthers Den. It's on Facebook, and you need to join today. This is a group that stays positive, has a good time, and interacts with a lot of other different Carolina Panthers fans. If you want to have a great time and talk about your team, encourage your team in a way that is done very professionally, then become a member of the Carolina Panthers Den on Facebook. You are watching Frankly Speaking Sports, live from Charlotte, North Carolina. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking Sports. I'm your host, Larry Frank, and uh, I know we were talking some basketball before we went to break. We're hopefully expecting Jimmy Smith, five-time Pro Bowler, of the Jacksonville Jaguars. He's supposed to be on with us any moment. Hopefully, uh, uh, you know, everything is okay and he'll be on, but we're going to try continuing the show without that right now, and hopefully um, Jimmy uh, will go ahead and join us momentarily as I'm just looking at my phone real quickly to see if there's any messages from Jimmy. So if everybody can just bear with me for a moment. And we shall see. Let's see here. Not there. Not there. Alrighty. And there's one more spot I want to check. So I appreciate you folks. Oop, I don't know what that is. All right, let's see. All right, that's not him. So I got quite a few messages, folks. So got to look through all of them here. All right. All right, so nothing there. All right, we just can hope, and hopefully everything is okay with Jimmy. Um, I just got a message. Let's see if that one's from him. Let me just type him and say, live waiting. All right, so we got that. But those of you that are watching, if you want to go ahead and on the bottom of the screen, um, we got a phone number that you can call in on. The number, let me see if I can put it up here. Uh, make a lot of you folks maybe can see it right there. Let's go. There we go. I'm typing it in big. So, but there it is, folks. If you want to go ahead, call in, get on the hotline, talk some Carolina Panthers, maybe some Hornets basketball. Uh, Panther football, whatever it might be, ACC basketball, go ahead, join us. The phone number is right there, 813-922-9810. Once again, it's 813-922-9810. Leave some message, you know, call, go ahead, call in. We'll love to get you on the air. We'd love to hear your opinion on some of the sports in Carolina or anywhere else. You know, if you're not a Carolina fan, if you're a Tampa Bay fan, you want to call in 
um, about that beautiful 9 nothing loss last night. We'll be more than happy to talk to you about it. Um, you know, next week the Carolina Panthers play the um, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We know Godwin's going to be out. The question is going to be, uh, you know, is Fournette going to be playing next week? Is uh, Michael Evans going to be playing next week? So lots and lots of things concerning for the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers who pretty much have that wrapped up as far as winning the um, NFC South. But, you know, a lot, lot to think about with some of these injuries. And, boy, you know, all those people in Tampa that were saying, get rid of Antonio Brown, uh, I guess you have second thoughts on doing that down there. So we'd love to hear from you as well. Once again, phone number here, 813-922-9810. Like I said, for those of you folks that are tuning in, expecting uh, Jimmy Smith, uh, we were expecting him as well. Not sure what happened. Um, um, So hopefully everything is okay. We do apologize about that. But Sometimes when you do this show, as long as I've been doing it, you know that sometimes things are going to happen where things don't always go uh, the way you plan. But that gives us a little time to, until he does come on to talk um, some ACC basketball. Um, and, you know, first of all, I want to talk NC State men's basketball. One-year probation. We just saw this happen to Auburn um, you know, similar with this FBI investigation, um, former coach Mark Godfrey gets one year show of cause order. Um, they are not going to be banned from um, postseason. So great news for the Wolfpack. But, you know, it raises a question and it has to, you know, and I'm sure it comes up in other people's mind as well. But how many times do you and I'm not picking on NC State here. I'm not talking about NC State here, but I'm talking about a coach that goes from program to program and continuously has infractions against their basketball team. You know, they can make every excuse in the world, can say everything they want in the world, but at the end of the day, how, how, I mean, how can the NCAA still allow these coaches to be coaching in college sport. You know why? It's all about the money. Winning takes care of everything. Everything is taken care of when you win. Winning takes care of everything. And it's a shame. It is a darn shame because you'll get a coach, and I'm not, I don't want to sell, well, what the hell? I mean, you got certain coaches, whether it's a Rick Patino, a Bruce Pearl, um, or other coaches, uh, a Huggins. Uh, and so on, a John Herrick, and who's been on our show, is a great, great guy, John Herrick. He was so great to us. But at the end of the day, you know, what good is it doing without consequences? You ban that program. Okay, it's not hurting the coach, so now you're hurting the players. Okay? Well, yes, you're hurting the university. But the individuals that's committing these infractions, what is going on with them? What I ask is going on with them, okay? Over and over again, you look at certain coaches that have been to one, two, three, four, even five times they belong to a university, and that same damn coach has infractions against his program. 
They need to be kicked out of the league. I'm sorry. And I know some of these people, and I know some of them very, very closely. But at the end of the day, there's got to be a punishment that teaches everybody else in the league. You're going to have to use one of these as, you know, an example to show them that this will not be allowed in college basketball. The problem with college sports in general, we know it about football, basketball is becoming bigger and bigger and bigger. It's about money. It is 150% about money. Nobody gives a crap about these players. Don't let them tell you any different. If they tell you they do, they can cry in interviews and say they love their players. They're full of shit. Okay? They're full of it. They don't. They care about winning. They care about themselves. And they care about money. A university is not going to say anything to its coach that's committing crimes if they're making the university money. If they are making the university money. What they do, they find a job somewhere else and they hook on and their basketball knowledge, which we might not be able to deny, is there and they continue to keep a job at the collegiate level. What would happen if maybe we fire a couple of these coaches? Oh, well, excuse me, not fire them, suspend them for five, six years or for life. Okay, it's things happen. Okay, I understand that in the in the world of sports. Okay, they happen once. Okay, you might have made a mistake. You might have overlooked something, or you were stupid and you made a mistake. Okay, we all make mistakes. Okay, but when you start doing it too three, four, even five times. Come on, where's the cutoff, folks? There's got to be something that gives there. And you get these high-profile coaches that every single place they go, they're doing this, and look. Look. Okay? Rick Pitino did it. Bruce Pearl's done it. I mean, these guys are still coaching major universities. Now, not necessarily Rick Pitino. He's with Iona, I believe, now. But you got Pearl out there with Auburn. He's doing a great job there. But yet there's still issues there. Yes, it was Pearson that did it, not him. You're the damn coach. You're responsible for everything that goes on in your university. And I'll tell you what. If I'm a basketball player, I would love to play for Bruce Pearl. His energy level, his knowledge of basketball and everything – from a coaching standpoint, is great, but there's got to be penalties for continuing to make or have these infractions over and over again. And it's not just Bruce. It's every coach. Some get caught. Some don't get caught. And, you know, unfortunately, when you're a bigger name like Bruce, you're a bigger name like Rick, uh, you're a bigger name like John, there's going to be people that are always in your shadow, always looking to you, and always trying to screw you over. There's going to be somebody that wants your job, that you're, is going to know something about you, that sooner or later will come out of the closet and cause some consequences for you. Unfortunately, college sports has gotten so damn big that they're too big. Okay too big and they don't realize what's going on and nothing matters, or they do realize what's going on, but nothing matters more 
than what's going in or out of their pocket. And it's become a damn shame because really college sports is turning into like a minor league uh, arena for athletes. Okay. It's a business and it's a huge business. And there's a lot more that goes on in these universities than either I or you will ever find out. But at the end of the day, if I look at the officials, I look at the board of directors, I look at the people that are head of these conferences, and I say to them, okay, if you want these infractions stopped, you have to have consequences for these coaches. As long as you do not do anything or keep or hold these guys or ladies accountable for making sure they're following the rules, then you have no right or reason or rhyme or reason to criticize or say anything about these coaches because you're not doing a damn thing about it. And that's my take on that. Ladies and gentlemen, when we come back, we're going to talk some ACC basketball. We'll be back right after this. This is a presentation of Northeast Streaming Sports. Ladies and gentlemen, the other day I'm looking around and I'm saying, I need to become part of a Carolina Panthers group that stays positive even in these tough times. And I'll tell you what, boy, have I found a group, the Carolina Panthers Den. It's on Facebook and you need to join today. This is a group that stays positive, has a good time, and interacts with a lot of other different Carolina Panthers fans. If you want to have a great time and talk about your team, encourage your team, in a way that is done very professionally, then become a member of the Carolina Panthers Den on Facebook. Make sure to join today. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll come back to our last segment for tonight of Frankly Speaking Sports. want to thank you all that have been watching so far. Great, great show for those of you that were expecting to see us interview Jimmy Smith, former uh, Jacksonville Jaguar wide receiver. We apologize. For some reason, he was a no-show. I'm not sure why. All of us here at Frankly Speaking Sports want to make, you know, wish him the best. Hope he's okay, that nothing is wrong. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, sometimes when you're in showbiz, this is what happens, and we completely understand that. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to remind you, tomorrow night, yeah, another great, great show, Wayne Rendazzo, New York Mets play-by-play announcer, going to be here. Boy, oh, boy, do we have a lot to talk about about baseball, especially if you're a New York Mets fan. I mean, Buck Showalter is now there. Steve Cohen, the new um, owner, they got a new GM. 
Uh, what now they got Scherzer as a pitcher. We got the baseball strike going on. Lots and lots and lots of things to talk about in the world of baseball. If you're a baseball fan or whatever fan, if you're a fan in general, you definitely want to tune into that show. It's going to be a great, great show. Then Wednesday night, 9 p.m. Eastern time, it is, uh, frankly speaking, Panthers. Uh, we should have a great, great show. I know we're going to have uh, some people from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers side on our show with us. So we look forward to that as we preview the upcoming game versus uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, anyone that would like to go ahead and call in, there is a number on bottom. We have about 12 minutes left in our show. Uh, let's see if I got the number right here again. Um, you want to go ahead, call in, get on the air uh, for a couple of minutes, talk about you know, your team, talk about the Panthers, talk about the Hornets, talk about anything we discussed tonight. Go ahead, give a quick call. We'll get you on the air. Um, not your face. It'll just be your voice, obviously, since you're calling in. And we'll love to hear from you. We'd love to get you on the air and get your thoughts on some of the things going on in the world of Carolina sports, whether it's the Panthers or the Hornets. That number for those that are listening that are um, Currently watching the show live and not on tape. Uh, it's 813-922-9810. Once again, 813-922-9810. And, you know, we talk about ACC basketball, folks. Um, you know, incredible, incredible ACC basketball. You know, when you look at the division, very surprising. You know, you see Wake Forest up there on tap right now. Now, Calm down, Wake Forest fans. It really haven't had a lot of competition. Only one game so far in the ACC, but in the next week or so, the ACC is going to start having conference games, and that's going to be the real test for Wake Forest. I mean, Duke, under you know, during Coach K's last year uh, coaching, you expect them to come out ready to play. It's a lot of emotions, a lot going on this year. They want to set – excuse me – they want to send them off, um, you know, with an unbelievable year. And they got great players on Duke. I mean, what can you say about Wendell Moore? 16.8 points a game, 5.6 rebounds, and 5.1 assists a game. And then the guy I love, Paola uh, Banchero, 16.5 points a game, 7.3 rebounds, 2.1 assists. Um, they're 10-1 and one on the season. But – Wake Forest, what surprised me, and I'll tell you what, you look at some of these teams in the uh, AP Top 25, and I think it's wrong. I, I, You know, I don't like polls. You guys know that from listening to my football show because I think all it is is a bunch of political bull crap anyway. But at the end of the day, you know, you have to have Wake Forest at least at 25. They're 11-1 and one on the season, Okay. They are not ranked. Now, I understand they haven't really played anyone. They'll stop playing teams. Like I said, I think it's beginning this Wednesday night, two days from now. They'll play Boston College, an ACC rival, and we'll see how that goes. If they beat Boston College, they deserve to at least be a top 25 team. I think it's wrong. I mean, this Wake Forest team had a tough game versus Charlotte. I mean, give the Charlotte 49ers lots and lots and lots of credit. I mean. They were incredible in this game. 
They came to play. It started out like Wake Forest was going to run away with it. I was getting sick to my stomach. And then Charlotte just hung with them. And it came down to an Isaiah, I believe you pronounce his name, Musius, um, hit the game-winning three-pointer as time expired in that game. Um, you know, Jameer Young of Charlotte was great versus Wake Forest. He had 27 points, four assists, and nine rebounds in that game. What a great, great player he is for the Charlotte 49ers. But how about Wake Forest? This guy, Alondis Williams, um, you know, continues to impress. Had 34 points, eight rebounds, and seven assists. Then you got the guy I talked about that had the game-winning shot. Isaiah Mucius, 20 points, eight rebounds, and four assists. And then um, I believe it was Dallas Warrington who's chipped in with 14 as well. <clears throat> Excuse me, folks. Well, I'm just going to take a quick drink here. But but I think as we see Wake Forest start playing more teams, got a lot of Demon Deacon fans going, you know, and our good buddy Larry Sorensen over there that handles a lot of football and baseball over there. Um, you know, you wonder what's going on here. Why isn't this team ranked? Here's a team that had an incredible season um, during the football season. Incredible, incredible uh run there. Um, then you go ahead and now your basketball team is 11 and one, you know, eyes are starting to open up. You know, everybody thinks of Duke. Everybody thinks of the Wolfpack. Everybody thinks of the Tar Heels In football. You think of Clemson. I mean, but whoa, Wake Forest is saying, hold on a minute. And I'd love to see a couple of ACC wins. And I love it because right around Christmas time is when they start breaking open the conferences and the conferences start competing now what, pretty much to the end of February, right into March Madness when the rankings come out. And this Wake Forest team has an opportunity to, to be very good. But I I have to I have to imagine, folks, that the only reason you don't see this team ranked, and I could be wrong, once again, I love opinions, um, we all agree to disagree, is that because of the competition they face. I think that's the reason they're not ranked. They haven't really, you know, played anybody that was really worth a challenge, really. But at the end of the day, then you look at them versus Charlotte and you see them winning on a three-pointer by Mucius at the end of the game. You know, you got to say, whoa, here's a 49ers team that almost beat them. Are they really that good, Wake Forest? Or was it that the 49ers are really that good in the uh, AAC? So, you know, a lot of that plays into it, but I hate polls. I hate polls. I hate polls. That's why I love March Madness so much. You got those 65 teams or 60, whatever it is now. I know you got two playing games now, but there's enough teams in it where usually somebody doesn't get screwed. No matter how many teams you have in any event, that you're picking from a record or the type of season they had, somebody at the end of the day, you can have 100 teams. The 101st team that didn't make it, still going to think they got screwed by the 100th team. But at the end of the day, this gives you, basketball gives you that good feeling. 65 teams, you get those underdogs that beat some of the favorites, and on any given day, anybody can beat anyone. And that's why college basketball is so great because of that. Now you see Baylor's number one. Um, you know, Baylor's having a great season. 
once again. We'll see how that all plays out now that conference play is going. But they look good. I mean, Purdue, what are they, third now? I think UCLA is up there as well. Alabama is up there. So now you're going to start seeing all these schools start playing. And I'd love to see how Baylor does. I want to see if they can keep that going. You know, I don't want to see the Gonzagas. I don't want to see the Dukes. I don't want to see the, uh, well, Duke I might, okay, being here in North Carolina and it being Coach K's last year, I, I may change my tune on that. But you don't want to see the same teams over and over and over again constantly being in, uh, you know, the top 10 or whatever. I mean, there's some good teams out there. Auburn's playing well. We talked about them a little bit earlier when we were talking about probation in college basketball. I mean, there's a lot of teams out there that are playing very, very well, and uh, I, I can't wait. This is the best time of year. You got football season wrapping up. What is it, the final three games? You Charlotte Panthers fans, I know you can't wait till the end of the season here. Unfortunately, two of those games are versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, one versus the Saints. This upcoming Sunday, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are here in Charlotte. That will be, I believe, the last home game for the Carolina Panthers this year. The last home game. Okay. So, you know, for those of you folks that have been living in misery these last couple of months, it's almost over. Okay. The changes that a lot of you are hoping to be made, that want to be made, will be decided in the next couple of weeks here. All uh, right. I believe the second week of January is the last game. It's one week later because of game seven this year so you know a lot going on then you got remember you know and we're going to talk about this a little more on the show tomorrow but what the hell is baseball thinking you know they have the worst leader the worst commissioner of any sports okay they have no sense of urgency at even thinking about getting this strike over with Nobody even knows and nobody even cares right now. You know, obviously come February they will. But a, a, an organization that really tarnished his names last year with the whole COVID situation the last couple of years has an opportunity to make some good here, to get back um, to the bargaining table and make things happen. But, you know, you got the player side that don't really care right now and you got the owner side. And I'm not telling you right now, who I agree with or who I don't agree with. We'll talk more about that on tomorrow's show. But at the end of the day, you have a leader in Robert Manfred that doesn't really give a crap because he doesn't know what the hell is going on anyway. If I had to vote for the worst, worst commissioner I've ever, ever seen in my entire life, I'm 55 years old, no commissioner in my lifetime, I think, has been worse than Robert Manfred. And I will go out on a limb and say that, okay? No one, no one. Reminder, tomorrow night, Wayne uh, Randazzo, New York Mets play-by-play announcer, will be joining us. Our show tomorrow begins at 9 p.m. Eastern time. For those of you that were tuning in tonight once again and expecting to hear from Jimmy Smith, former wide receiver of the Jacksonville Jaguars, we deeply apologize and we are sorry that he was a no-show. We're not sure what happened, but we want to hopefully everything is okay with him. But tomorrow night, Wayne Randazzo, on behalf of all of us, 
here at Frankly Speaking Sports. We wish you a good night and happy holidays. Hey!